Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and and on on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, Have mercy on us, for you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. O God, by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption, look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters, that those who believe in Christ may receive true freedom and an everlasting inheritance. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord was addressed to me as follows. Son of man, I have appointed you as sentry to the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, warn them in my name. If I say to a wicked man, wicked wretch, you are to die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked man to renounce his ways, then he shall die for his sin, but I will hold you responsible for his death. If, however, you do warn a wicked man to renounce his ways and repent, and he does not repent, then he shall die for his sin, but you yourself will have saved your life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, ring out our joy to the Lord. Hail the rock who saves us. Let us come before him giving thanks. With songs, let us hail the Lord. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice, harden not your hearts. Come in, 
Let us bow and bend low. Let us kneel before the God who made us. For he is our God and we, the people who belong to his pasture, the flock that is led by his hand. O that today you would listen to his voice, harden not your hearts. O that today you would listen to his voice, harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massa in the desert, when your fathers put me to the test, when they tried me, though they saw my work. O that today you would listen to his voice, harden not your hearts. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Avoid getting into debt, except the debt of mutual love. If you love your fellow men, you have carried out your obligations. All the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and so on, are summed up in this single command. You must love your neighbour as yourself. Love is the one thing that cannot hurt your neighbour. That is why it is the answer to every one of the commandments. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. God was in Christ to reconcile the world to himself. And the good news of reconciliation he has entrusted to us. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother does something wrong, go and have it out with him alone, between your two selves. If he listens to you, you have won back your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. The evidence of two or three witnesses is required to sustain any charge. But if he refuses to listen to these, report it to the community. And if he refuses to listen to the community, treat him like a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you solemnly, whatever you bind on earth shall be considered bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be considered loosed in heaven. I tell you solemnly once again, if two of you on earth agree to ask anything at all, it will be granted to you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three meet in my name, I shall be there with them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the Lord is at his practical best. We're getting a step-by-step guide for conflict resolution. What do you do if someone wrongs you? Um, And I think this gospel gives a a keen insight into the fact that, you know, Jesus really understands human reality and, you know, our relationships. He knows what we're like. You know, we're all a bunch of sinners and, you know, troubles to be expected. So how do we deal with them when they rise? Well, the Lord gives us... A three-step process. He gives us a set of do's. And, you know, though the exhortation is given like as a a set of instructions, and though he doesn't explicitly articulate them in the gospel, it's helpful to read between the lines and you can kind of glean the don'ts which come out of the list of do's. 
So the first step that Jesus gives is to go to the person who's wronged you. And Jesus says, go alone. Go yourself. Now, I suspect that a lot of our failures in reconciliation fall over at this first step because we don't follow the formula just right. Notice that it doesn't say that the first step is to go and tell your friends what the person's done to you. Often our first reaction can be to tell the people around us and go and enlist support. You know, we like to tell other people how we've been wronged so that, you know, we can have people agree that, yep, you've been shabbily treated. But Jesus says that this isn't the place to start. The first step is to go to the person alone and to tell them what the problem is. And notice too that Jesus doesn't put a time frame on it. He doesn't say you need to go straight away. Sometimes we might need some time to settle down. We can deal calmly with the person who's hurt us. But when we do finally lay it all out before that person who's hurt you, you may discover that it was all a misunderstanding. Or you might find out that the person was unaware of how he or she had hurt you. And if having made the person aware of the hurt, they repent of their sin and seek your forgiveness, then as Jesus says, you've gained your brother back. If we've gone around and told a whole bunch of people of the sins of the other person who's offended you, then we might have thrown a roadblock in getting our brother back. So the second step is necessary if the sinner doesn't acknowledge in the one-on-one encounter that they've hurt you. So Jesus says you need to bring one or two witnesses into the process. The two or three of you need to go to the sinner to try and help them see the wickedness of his actions. So what's the benefit of this step? Well, for the first part, you need to take the time to explain to these other people what the problem is. It's an extra pair of eyes on the situation. It may well be that we ourselves are operating under a misunderstanding. Or that we perhaps don't appreciate the situation. Or that we're just wrong. So we need to explain the situation to one or two others who will understand and agree that the situation actually is unjust. And so step two is actually quite an important stage. It requires a bit of humility because we need to acknowledge and seek confirmation that the way that we perceive the situation of conflict is in fact correct. So when the one or two others have agreed that something needs to be done, the two or three of us need to go to the person. And the goal here is to try and convince the sinner that they've acted badly. And the hope is that the witness of the second or third person would make the unrepentant think that, you know, maybe their behaviour's been injurious. You know, I've, I've hurt someone. It's like saying to the sinner, you know, it's not just me who has the problem with the way that you've been acting. We notice again, the instruction doesn't say go and tell everyone. Take two or three, yes, but keep it at that. Okay, the third step might be the one that we have the most difficulty with. The third step says that if the witnesses don't manage to convince the sinner of their bad behaviour, then the whole matter needs to be submitted to the church, the community. This means that there needs to be an external judge, an adjudicator of the matter. And it's now the church's job to convince the sinner that the way that they're living, their lives, isn't part of God's plan for happiness for us. Now, this is a fundamental point. Where do we discover the measure of our actions. You know, where do we discover definitively, like, what's, what's good and bad? Where do we go kind of beyond opinion? Well, we need to insert this within the context of each particular circumstance, but the church is the mouthpiece of God's divine plan for happiness for the human person. 
So the matter here needs to be submitted to the higher authority. God's law, as it's articulated by the church, helps us to understand, well, what's truth? What's good? What's bad? So, refer to the objective standard. Well, what does the church say about this? The next line's a tough one, though. If the person refuses to listen to the church, to the ecclesia, the community, if they persist in their injustice, then clearly the principles that this person's operating out of aren't the principles of the church. They aren't the principles of the believing community. Really, their persistence in sin has exposed their true thinking. And if that's something that's not in harmony with the rest of the community, then it's important to be honest and to recognize that a person who doesn't hold the principles of the community, in fact, isn't part of such a community. And that's this rather hard word of treating them like a pagan or a tax collector. Now, one of the great buzzwords of our modern period is the word inclusive. It's important that we include and not exclude. Yep, absolutely, 100%. And indeed, it's right and just. But at the same time, it's important that this doesn't come at the expense of truth. If a person doesn't hold the essential principles of the community, then don't pretend like it isn't a problem. What's clear here is that Jesus is telling us that the church is inclusive of pagans and tax collectors, but you can't stay a pagan or a tax collector. Like Zacchaeus and Matthew, you know, you need to give up tax collecting. And like St. Paul showed time and time again, it's fine that you're a Gentile or a pagan. But to be in the church, you need to stop being a pagan and become Christian and behave according to God's plan for happiness. So Jesus gives us a three-step process for conflict resolution. It's important that we realize that this process doesn't give us a license to be judgmental. That's key. This isn't about being a busybody, sticking our noses into other people's business. Because notice, the one who needs to start the process is the one who's aggrieved. Not just, you know any old person who's decided to criticize another person for their behavior. But here's the thing. We are also responsible for each other. The first reading today shows that, you know, we do have to have a care for the moral welfare of the people around us. So, okay, don't stick your nose into other people's business, but don't stick your head in the sand either. I think that Jesus gives us a process that will help us to heal division within the community without at the same time being divisive. The goal here is to restore the sinner to the Christian faithful, to bring them back into right relationship with God and with everyone else, and thus to restore peace. And remember what Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And now let's together profess our faith by praying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the the Father Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, 
the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.